How you feeling today, United Church? You feeling good? Come on. Man, I can usually tell how today's gonna go by how you respond to that question, so I know I got a lot of work to do. Come on, United Church. Milford Campus, how you feeling today? Come on, I believe that there's some great things happening in Milford right now. Man, I'm just blown away. Man, blown away that we get to be a part. I'm like giddy today. Uh, I don't know why. Um, I do know why. But anyways, that's beside the point. But hey, I wanna celebrate a couple things before we get into the message. Um, the first thing I wanna celebrate, which your campus pastor has already celebrated, is that 44 people gave their life to Jesus last week. 44 people gave their life to Jesus. What an amazing miracle that is. And I wanna celebrate that four of those 44, come on, they were online. They were, come on, they were viewing the experience. And I just wanna say, congratulations, you made the greatest decision. Can we celebrate with those folks? Can we celebrate with them? It's amazing, greatest decision. And we're gonna cast more vision for online here in the coming weeks, but I just believe this. If you're a local in the area and, uh, and you're just sitting on your couch for no reason, man, we want you to be in the house, come on. But if you are somewhere far and not around United Church, we wanna do whatever we can to plug you in to a life-giving church in your area. And if that doesn't exist, come on, that's why we are online right now. And so uh, we're super excited for everything that God is doing, but two next steps, 44 people, so I would be remiss if I didn't give you a next step for what I believe like in your life would be some of the greatest next steps that you could take. The first one is very biblical, um, is, is baptism, and we believe that baptism is, is a public declaration of what has happened inside of you, that you are now a follower of Jesus. You've made the greatest decision that you will ever make, not just your job, not just your spouse, like those are great decisions, but following Jesus, if you believe that, say so, yes, great greatest decision that you've ever, it's the greatest decision that I've ever made. And so on August 29th at both campuses, um, we're gonna be having baptism. I wish I could say online, um, but you ain't gonna dunk yourself. Come on, somebody, get to Milford, get to Dover, and uh, we are going to have baptism and tailgate. It's gonna be crazy, it's gonna be a party. We're gonna have a ton of fun. The second decision that you can make is to uh, jump into Growth Track Express next week. It starts next week at 11 a.m. And so it normally lasts for four weeks and we're doing it all in one afternoon. And so maybe you've been kind of um, kicking the tires of United Church. This would be the natural next step. You can text partner to 94,000 and you'll get all the information you need to know. And maybe for you, you just accepted Jesus. I just wanna encourage you, one of the greatest decisions you can make, one is baptism, but the second one is this, is to get around some like-minded people. Because my guess is, is that your job, like there are not a lot of like-minded people at your job. And so you get the opportunity on Sundays to come together and to serve around people whose number one pursuit in their life is to go after Jesus. And I just wanna encourage you with that. It's not, because, it's not because we need you to serve, it's because you need to serve. And we all need to be able to pour out what God is pouring into us. But today, we step into week number two of this series, Christmas in July. I got a question for you. Maybe you can think with me for a second. Just, just kind of answer this in your brain. You don't have to answer it out loud, but... Have you ever been perplexed by something? You ever been perplexed by something? Like perplexed, like, let me break that down, like completely baffled, like, like puzzled. You found yourself in a situation where you are completely perplexed. I've been perplexed. And uh, let me just be honest, I'm, I'm a pretty smart guy. Not a genius by any stretch of the imagination, but like pretty, like I would say, um, like a, a low A, like, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good, pretty smart, but, but there's been some times when I've been perplexed, and mostly with people, can I just be honest? How many of you are per people are perplexing, right? Uh, if you're not raising your head, you're the person who's perplexing. Come on, somebody. Um, I read a, a meme this past week that said, most of us that are in therapy are in therapy because the people that need therapy won't go to therapy. 
And I was like, oh, dear God, that hit hard. I was like, wow, 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 perplexed. I've been perplexed. And there's one word that I could think of when I was thinking of the word perplexed, and it was the word trigonometry. <laughs> I remember my junior year of high school, I, uh, I walked into class, and um, I, I don't remember my teacher's name, God bless her heart. But they started talking about things like terms like Pythagorean theorem. And they started talking about like A squared plus B squared equals C squared, and I'm lost. Sine, cosine, and tangent. And they're like, I swear, you're going to use this in your life. <laughs> you shouldn't lie to your students. <laughs> you're gonna use this. You're gonna, you're gonna, like, this is something that you're gonna implement right away. And the only thing I could think of as they're talking about Pythagorean theorem and A squared plus B squared equals C squared is what time is baseball practice? Like, that's the only thing. I, and some of y'all are laughing at me because you, you're great at trigonometry. Well, I was great at hitting a 90-mile-per-hour fastball. So we're good at some things and just not good at others. Anyway, we'll, we'll call it even. And my teacher would do everything she could do to, to try to explain it to me. And she had her overhead projector. Come on, how many of y'all grew up with overhead projectors? And she would be smearing the words, like the, the letters all across the way. And I'm like, I, I don't even know what you're right. Thank you. So I was, I was perplexed. I'm sure there's some things in your life that have been perplexing for you. Like the job situation maybe that you find yourself in, that they're perplexing. Like the relationship struggles that you're working through, right, they're perplexing. Most of them have to do with people. People are perplexing. And today, I wanna talk about one of the most perplexing people to ever walk the face of the earth, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is one of those people that if we were to look at his life and we were to follow through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it is extremely perplexing. And we talked about some of his attributes last week. They were amazing, the fact that he's humble, he's bold, he's a servant, he's a leader, he shows honor, he's confident, he's compassionate, he's secure, joyful, he's unstoppable. And we talked about these attributes and some of those are perplexing because he was, he was humble, yet he was bold. He was a servant, yet he was a leader. They seem almost like they're oxymorons, although we talked about that a lot last week. If you wanna go back, you can check that out on YouTube or Facebook, whatever you want to, to, to consume that content. It would be amazing for you if you missed last week. But, but listen, it's, it's not just his attributes that are perplexing, right? There's things like pictures of Jesus that are perplexing. Right, and we've all seen these models. If you grew up in the Catholic faith, like this is one that maybe you would remember about Jesus. Like this is one that would be familiar for you. Maybe for you, you've seen this picture of Jesus. Like he's like, I don't know what he's doing. He's like, hey, Coke Zero over here. Like I don't know what he's doing. Like, you know, he's like calling for the, the flight attendant. Like, doo doo, you know, like going for it right there. Maybe you've seen that picture. Maybe you've seen this picture of Jesus, the Last Supper. Hopefully you've seen this picture of Jesus, right? You've seen this picture like on every grandmother's wall in America. <laughs> Just by showing, how many of y'all seen this picture before? Yeah, every single person. This next picture that I wanna show you, um, because we're talking all about Jesus in this series, is an artist's rendition of, of the historical facts of what they believe Jesus most accurately would have looked like. And we can argue, debate, we can do all those things, but this, this is his, historicity, so you would have to argue with history, but this is what they believe Jesus would have most accurately looked like. 
There's things about Jesus that are perplexing, his attributes. We could talk about his, his looks, like we're, we're perplexed about Jesus and, and not just the way that his, his attributes describe him or, or that scripture would describe him, but the attributes of how he would even physically look. And he's perplexing because you ask the question, like, was he God or was he man? What, was he God, man? And this one question is the differentiator of all the other questions about Jesus. This question, is he God and man? His claim to be both God and man is one of the primary reasons Jesus was nailed to the cross. You see, we, we talk about Jesus and, and you hear us even say where I've set this up so far and maybe today you're perplexed. And so what I want to do is I want to show you evidence of Jesus' humanity and evidence of his divinity because if you go by what he said, he really didn't leave it up to interpretation. Now, most of us are in two distinct camps as you come in today. And uh, the, the first camp is this, is that many people would believe, hey, Jesus, like he's a great man. Jesus is a great teacher. Jesus was, was a great rabbi of the day. Jesus was one of those, if you have daughters, you would want your daughter to date him. If you have a son, you would want your son to be like him. That's one camp that you're like, Jesus is a great person. The other camp is kind of pit, swing the pendulum to the other side that you would say, hey, Jesus, he's 100% God. Like Jesus is, is, is just 100% God. After all, Pastor Kenneth, that's why he could save the world. That's why he was perfect. He was 100% God. And so today, what I want to walk you through and to show you that it's possible that there is a third option, that Jesus is both 100% man and 100% God at the same time. And if now you're perplexed, welcome to the party. And so it would be foolish for me to think that in the next 25 minutes and two seconds that I would be able to describe all of this to you, but what I want to do today is to give you an appetizer and for you to be able to write some scriptures down so that you can go back and study this and say, hey, Pastor Kenneth, that, that's, you're right on with that. You can go back and read some of the history and say, man, that was right on. Or maybe that you could have a, a, a com we could have a conversation. Maybe you disagree with me. I don't know what it would be, but today this would just whet the appetite of what it could look like for you to do some more studying on your own. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're gonna be there in just a moment, but don't get too settled in there because we're gonna be like all over the New Testament, and uh, again, my encouragement for you today would be this, is to write um, down the, the references, go back and read them for yourself, take notes. Um, but in John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus, he, he says this. He says, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. Maybe you just thought Jesus was a good teacher. You were in that first camp. You're like, Jesus is a good man. Jesus is a great person. But in Jesus' own words in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 30, the crazy thing is, is that he didn't leave it up to us. Because in one sentence, he dismantles the argument that Jesus is just a good man. He said, I and the Father are one. And if this isn't true, like he is not a great teacher, he is not a great man, he is a liar. We understand this, right? C.S. Lewis really said it like this, that Jesus is either liar, lunatic, or Lord. 
And in John chapter 10, verse 30, he says, I and the Father. I wanna talk about perplexing. Now I'm perplexed. Jesus essentially says, I am God. Wait, I thought he was man. Is Jesus man? Is Jesus God? Like, is he both? Like, how do we know? Check out John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The same tension that you feel living in this world is the same tension that Jesus felt. And the tension that you are having is the same tension that Jesus said he has come to overcome. So Jesus felt it and he overcomes it. Are we feeling the tension? Like, like Jesus, he, he, he experienced the same tension that you are experiencing, yet he says, now I have overcome. So what do you do with this tension? What do you do with a God-man? Like, what do you, how do you explain this in, in the next, like, again, 22 minutes? How do you explain this? How do you break this down? So what I wanna do with the rest of our time is to help you grasp how Jesus really is 100% man and 100% God. He's grounded in humanity, but also crowned with divinity. Church, can I, I just want to tell you this. There's some weeks that we come into church and I'm like, man, I, I just can't wait. I can't wait to inspire these folks, right? Those are the super soaker weeks, right? Where we put the water in the super soaker and we pump it up to 12 and then we charge the gates of hell with a water pistol. Those are the, I love those weeks. I love those. Every week I look forward to helping you. I want to help you. But today what I want to do is I want to educate you. Is that okay? I, I just want to Throw that if today is your first time, it will be a little bit different than the way that I'm normally teaching. Today will be more like we're going to Bible college than it is like we came to United Church, but I think that for some of us, we're interested in that because the more you know about Jesus, the more there is to love, and the more that you love, the more that you worship, and the more that you worship, the more you fall madly in love with Jesus. I don't know about you, but the pursuit of my life is to fall madly in love with Jesus, there's a Greek word that describes this, and I was so excited about this because I wanted to share some Greek with you because I took four semesters, two full years of suffering so that I could teach biblically correct sermons, and there's one word that really defines this. It's the word homoousian. Yeah, homoousian. Say it, I'm just kidding, don't say it with me. But this is the word, the Greek word behind everything that I'm trying to explain to you is that Jesus is the same in being and the same in essence. Speaking of Jesus the Son and God the Father, this is also referred to as hypostatic union. Now write this down, go back and do some research because you're like, Pastor Kenneth, like I'm not sure, like he knows what he's talking about, like test me. That's all I ask is that you would test me, but hypostatic union is the combination of divine and human natures in the single person of Christ, the hypostatic union. And we see that this was written about in, in history. And if you go all the way back to 325 AD, you would have seen the Nicene Creed. Many of you have heard the Nicene Creed. It was where a group of people got together and like, hey, we need to put words to everything that we believe and everything that scripture says and everything that history tells us about who Jesus is, about who the church and what the church is and the church's function is. And in 325 AD, can I just can I, say, this is like 1700 years ago. It says this, it says, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth 
of things visible and invisible and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the begotten of God, the Father. The only begotten, check it out, this last part of this sentence says that is of the essence of the Father. The hypostatic union was already beginning to be talked about way a long time ago, 325 AD. Now, the Chalcedonian Creed in 451 AD said this, and this is a lot of words, so if you like, if you don't wanna get confused, just kind of like zone me out for a second and then check back in after this. Deal? I'm gonna read it, okay, here we go. It says, therefore, following the holy fathers, we all with one accord teach men to acknowledge one and the same son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at once complete in Godhead and complete in manhood. Hypostatic union. Truly God and truly man, the same essence. Consisting also of a reasonable soul and body of one substance with the Father as regards his Godhead and at the same time of one substance with us as regards his manhood. And like us in all respects, apart from sin, and as regards his Godhead, begotten of the Father before the ages, but yet as regards his manhood, begotten for us men and for our salvation, of Mary the Virgin, the God-bearer, one and the same, Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, recognized in natures, here's four phrases we're gonna talk about in a moment, without confusion, without change, without division, and without separation. The distinction of natures being in no way annulled by the union but rather the characteristics of each nature being preserved and coming together to form one person and substanceness. Not as parted or separated into two persons, but one and the same Son and the only begotten God, the Word. Lord Jesus Christ, even as the prophets from earliest times spoke of him and our Lord Jesus Christ himself taught us and the creed of the Father has handed down to us. Woo! If your mind is blown, mine is too as I begin to study this, but there's four phrases that I want you to see. The first phrase is this, is without confusion. Essentially what is being said in this creed is that the Lord Jesus Christ is not what you get when you mix blue and yellow together and end up with green, right? He's not the result of mixing a divine nature and a human nature. He's not just without confusion, he's without change. You see, when he put on human flesh, like his divinity did not cease to be what he had always been, right? The incarnation affected no substantial change in him as the son. He was without division. Without division, there was two natures of Christ. They do not represent a split in the divine person. Jesus Christ is not half God. He's not half man. He's 100% God and he's 100% man. And he's also without separation. Without separation is the union of the human and divine and the person of Jesus Christ is a real organic union, not simply a moral sympathy or relational partnership. And some of you are like, why did I come to church today? I wanna tell you this because some of you are like, why, why does this matter? We'll get to that in a moment, and it really does matter. It really does matter because there are some churches that will teach you that all three parts of the Trinity are three separate parts. 
Can I tell you, I believe that the word of God studied and true, if you walk all the way through it, you will find that the Trinity, although it will blow your mind, if you could understand God, I believe he would cease to be God. Let me say that again. I believe if you could understand every aspect and attribute and piece of God, I believe that he would cease to be God. He would become a God that you have created. And that's what's wrong with America. It's because too many times when God's word or what God said contradicts what we believe as our person, come on, we don't want to believe in that type of God because we have created a God unto ourselves. So while this may be confusing, it is very important for you to understand theology. It is very important for you to know more about God so that when we sing these songs and you read these words, things about three and one, one and three, and we talk about the Trinity and we talk about how beautiful and how majestic our God is, you can actually worship him for how beautiful and majestic he is because you actually know about him. Yeah. So what are you saying, Pastor? Again, let me say this. Um, if, if I'm gonna bring this down, I wanna say this, that, that people have been saying for 1,700 plus years and all of scripture identifies that Jesus truly is 100% man and 100% God. So I wanna take a look at some places in scripture that talk about his humanity and uh, we don't have to look any further than Matthew chapter one at Jesus' birth. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. That when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, can you imagine how crazy that this story would have been? Like, put yourself back in Mary's shoes. Imagine the scrutiny that Mary would have been under to have told people that she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. This doesn't seem like a likely tale. It also reminds me that a great work of God is usually joined together with great pain and great joy. And so maybe you feel like you're like disqualified because you're experiencing great pain right now. No, can I tell you that when God does a great work in you, it also, it also is married together with great pain and great joy. Verse 19, it says, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. How many of y'all know that it would have taken an angel of the Lord in a dream for me to believe that my wife had been impregnated by the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Can we just keep that real? We just get real, like scripture, we don't just gloss over this, like I would have needed an angel of the Lord. Saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her it's from the Holy Spirit. And I can imagine, I feel like Joseph whoo. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not. He didn't have sexual relationship with her. He knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Right, the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus didn't just appear. Jesus was born. Jesus is 100% Man, and while I'm here, can I just encourage you because I love all of the attributes of Jesus, but I love the fact that Jesus embodied humility and he came to the earth in the form of a child. 
Philip Yancey, the author of the book, The Jesus I Never Knew, I recommended that last week, I'll recommend it again, it's a great book, he says this, he said, the events of Christmas point inescapably to what seems like an oxymoron, a humble God. You know, people in that time, they would have known nothing of a humble God. They would have known nothing because the Greek gods of this time, the people that were being worshiped this time, like you must bow down, and if you don't bow down, and if you don't worship these lowercase g gods, like it was punishable by death. And here we see Jesus, he puts flesh and blood on, he comes to earth in the form of a child. They would have not even known how to wrap their brains around what happened. The people of of Jesus' day, they knew nothing about this, and in steps Jesus. Remember what Isaiah said, 700 plus years before Jesus was born. He said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. He said, listen, he's gonna come in the form of a son. He's gonna come in the form of a child. He says, the government shall be upon his shoulder. And they expected him to be a king and a ruler. And he says, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And they expected Jesus to rise in power and to become a king, but Jesus came as a babe. And he didn't just show up moving and shaking and turning over everything and and being all crazy. No, he came meek and mild in the form of a babe and he continued to grow. Why? Because he was 100%. Man, check out how this life continues in Luke chapter two. It says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. They didn't just lock him in the car, they left him. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives. How many of y'all wish you could lose your kids? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Don't, don't, Don't judge me. Right, there's times, right? You're like, I love him. I'm gonna love him from over there. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna love him. I'm gonna love him. I'm gonna love him. To search for him among the relatives, acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him after three days. Like Child Protective Services was on the scene. Like you lost your child. After three days, they found him in the temple. I wouldn't have been in the temple. I would have been wilding out. Jesus is in the temple. <laughs> Sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, and all who heard him were amazed in his understanding in his answers, Jesus continued to grow in his humanity. Jesus wasn't just a figment of their imagination. He was 100% man, he walked the earth, but he was also 100% God. But listen, I don't wanna just show you some of those things. Let me show you just one more that has to do with his, human, his humanity because Jesus is healing, he's doing miracles, crazy things are happening. And John writes in the last chapter of John, he says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did where every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. John's like, hey, let me just summarize it like this because my hand hurts. Let me just tell you how this is going because I want you to understand how true this is. Like if I were to write everything about what Jesus did, you wouldn't even be able to fit all of the books and all of the libraries in all of the world. Come on, that's a king that I wanna worship. That's a Jesus that I want to know. But that's his humanity. Let me show you a few about his divinity. Are we still tracking together, church? Are we okay? I think I got enough consensus to keep going. We, we, all right. Check out his divinity, John chapter one. The very first verse, John starts this way. He says, in the beginning was the word. The word is another word for Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. 
and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life that was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I believe that John thought it important enough to start with this idea of this this hypostatic union to help us understand that that God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son, are one, are the same in essence. And in Colossians, Paul writes it like this. He says, he is the image, who's he? Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Come on, I'm so thankful that we have Jesus to be able to lift up and to be able to worship, and he promises us in scripture that if we lift up the Son of Man, that he would draw all people to himself, and there's so much to worship about Jesus. And in John chapter eight, Jesus gets himself in a little bit of trouble. He says, talking to the religious folks, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad, and so the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, And have you seen Abraham? Verse 58, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Oh, and they were ticked. What, Jesus? Like, you're not even 50, which Jesus would have been like 32 at the time, so to be mistaken for 50 was probably an insult. But Jesus blew up their world. He said, listen, before Abraham was, before they, they, they worshiped Abraham, they believed that he was like one of the father Abraham and many sons, many sons had father Abraham. Right? They, they believed that Abraham was like the top, was the tippy top, and Jesus was like, hey, no, before Abraham was, I was already around. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. I wanna give you a few more that you can write down, you can go back and look. Jesus, he says, he shows that he's eternal. Check out Micah chapter five, verse two, Revelation 1, 8. He's omnipresent, which means he's in all places at all times. Matthew 28, 20, and John chapter three, verse 13. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. John chapter two, verse 24 through 25, and Revelation chapter two, verse 23. He's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. Philippians chapter three, verse 21. Hebrews chapter one, verse three. He's immutable, that means he's unchanging. That means, he, and you can find that in Hebrews chapter one, verses 10 through 12, and Hebrews chapter 13, verse Number eight. And I know that some of you are like, this is very different than what Pastor Kenneth would normally preach. Why would you spend a whole week preaching like this? Like, why does this matter? How does this affect my life? Church, can I just look at you today and tell you this matters? far more than you could ever understand because if Jesus was only man, he could never save you. And if Jesus was only God, he could never understand you. Like why does all of this matter? Like why does all of this matter? Okay, he's a man, like he walked the earth. Like nobody's gonna argue that he walked the earth. Okay, Pastor, I give you a pass on that. Like I just like coming here, it makes me really happy. But if he was only man, can I tell you that what I offer you in salvation would be the worst thing that I could ever offer you? 
say, oh no, if you accept Jesus, come on, you will spend eternity in heaven around the throne singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you will spend eternity in heaven. If you accept Jesus, if you say, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you wash me clean? Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross, that you went to the cross to pay for my sins. If I offered you that and he was only man, can I tell you, I am not a nice guy. I'm a heretic and a false teacher. But thanks be to Jesus that he is not only man, that he is 100% man and he is 100% God. And if Jesus was only God, if you were like, yeah, he's perfect, of course, that's how he walked the earth the way he did. Jesus was only God, he could never understand you. He would never be able to understand you. Church, I'm I'm so thankful that he's eternal. I'm so thankful that he's all-knowing. I'm so thankful that he's all-powerful. I'm so thankful that he's unchanging. I'm so thankful for all of these things. It gives me so much to worship him about and to have confidence in. It gives me so much to hold on to as I sing out his praises. Maybe you wonder, like, Pastor Ken, why do you worship the way you worship? Because I have a great understanding of who Jesus is and everything that he's done for me. And in Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, The author says, for we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, I I don't know... um, I don't know how you've been introduced to Jesus, but I'm so thankful that he's 100% man in the sense that he can understand me. But I'm also thankful that he's 100% God, that he can save me. I'm so grateful that that I can know in my soul that, that Jesus walked the path that I walked, that he felt the same things that I'm feeling, that he dealt with temptation just like I deal with on a daily basis, yet he's here for me, and today I wanna tell you that he is here for you. So for distraction's sake, I just wanna ask you, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Today, maybe you listen and um, maybe you recognize for the first time that that he is 100% man, he's 100% God, he's the God man, the one who came to save us. Maybe today you've been hanging on to the fact that you believe that he was just, maybe just 100% man or just 100% God, and today you're like, man, Pastor Ken, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that he is who he says he is, and who scripture des- describes him as. So if that's you right where you sit, would you pray a prayer like this? Would you say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. Jesus, when you say I and the Father are one, I believe it. So Jesus, today I'm stepping into relationship with you. Pray that you would forgive me. Pray that you would wash away every sin Jesus, I'm thankful that you went to the cross, that you didn't stay in the grave. God, you rose again on the third day. 
Jesus, today I ask that you would help me to walk every single day of my life chasing after you. every head still bowed, every eye still closed. I just wonder if you prayed that prayer today for the first time to step into a relationship with Jesus, would you just throw up your hand right where you sit? Would you say, today I made that decision. That's amazing. That's so good. So good. You can put them down. Come on, you made the greatest decision of your life. Listen, I want to, with every head still bowed, every eye still closed, I want to ask you, if today uh, you're like, Pastor Kenneth, I feel like now I have an arsenal. I have an arsenal of things to be able to worship Jesus for. Man, I, I knew he was good, but I didn't know the depth of it. And today you just feel energized and enthused to be able to have more facets, to be able to lift praises up of his name. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up? Just say, Pastor Ken, today I feel equipped. So good. Awesome, hands all over, it's awesome. You can put them down. Let me pray for you today. And your campus pastor will take Jesus, we love you. You are so good to us. We praise you for who you are. God, thank you for being 100% man that you can understand us, but thank you for being 100% God that you can save us. And God, while it would be impossible for us to wrap our minds around every aspect of who you are, God, we worship you, that you are a God that is bigger than just wrapping our minds around. Father, we worship you because you are wonderful, you are majestic, you are higher than we could ever imagine. So today, thank you. We love you, Jesus. You're so good to us. It's in Christ's powerful name we pray.